coming up on the Magnificently Huge podcast, we're giving thanks for Hanks. Tom Hanks, 80s movies. What's the deal? Next. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener, and welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This is Chris, and this week, along with Eric and Brian, the MagHuge team is going to delve deep, deep into the 80s to talk about the film career output of one Mr. Tom Hanks in that decade. So I'll give you a little perspective. The total Hanks filmography to date, more than $4.9 billion in North America alone. But to look at his 80s output, you'd never guess it. Uh, apart from Big and Splash, he's got a lot of... Uh, middling comedies that uh, aren't really classics, shall we say, but a couple of them have a special place in our hearts, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the ones we like, that we feel are underappreciated, and then a few of the ones we think are turkeys. Bottom line, how did Tom Hanks manage to have the superstar career that he enjoys today based on these beginnings in the 80s? It's astonishing, and uh, just testament to his power as an actor and a gentleman. If you have thoughts, you can definitely reach out to us. We're at uh, MagHuge on Twitter. We're also Magnus Huge Podcast on Facebook. We're on Instagram, Magnus Huge Podcast. Uh, you can email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Tell us your thoughts on Mr. Hanks. Uh, and then, you know, definitely head over to our website, maghuge.com, where we've got show links and sundry and stuff. And that'll take you to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts that we may be able to perform for you on a recorded basis. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's the deal. We're talking Tom Hanks, specifically 1980s Tom Hanks, where he cracked wise, uh, laughed his weird laugh, and did a lot of physical comedy before he went on to become the powerhouse that we all know and love today. Uh, yeah, show's coming up next. Thanks for Hanks, the 80s. And we're back with the Magnificently Huge podcast. Hey! So much energy, Eric. So much energy. I try. I try. I know. And we thank you for it. What is this? Day 870,000 of the yeah. pandemic? Okay. I lost track. Yeah. I, I ran out of room on my wall with all of the the notches. So I'm just mm. guessing. I'm going to have a full-on mullet by the time this is over. It's going to be great. <laughs> What's just naturally happen? You just grow a mullet without any care. Well, I kind of had the sides cut short and the top was long and the back was longer than normal when I went on that 80s cruise, but now it's like growing out to legitimately like 80s length. Nice. And yeah, it's <laughs> going to be a fucking mullet. It's soon. business oh, in the God. front, party in the back. All right. All right. <laughs> More like Brian Dirt. <laughs> you could like <laughs> Yeah, pretty You much. could like uh, twirl it into a rat tail if you want to go full 80s, right? No? Eventually, yeah. <laughs> you gotta send a pic when that happens. I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, I have a, mu- a mullet incoming, and my name is Brian. Uh, this is Chris, and uh, I've lost count of what week it is. This is Eric, and our intros are lame because we want to weed out the week. <laughs> yeah, and also we don't. We literally <laughs> don't prepare anything. We just do the call, jump right in. So this is our warm up. Thank you for joining us. 
It's the magnificently huge podcast. If we're weeding out the week, which one of us is going first? Wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least we're not playing uh, Mary Fuck Kill. I don't want to hear that result. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Is fresh shit even something we can do now that there is literally no fresh shit? I mean, it's... Oh, there is, though. Okay. I mean, have you, have you, we've been doing a pretty good job. We did Onward last week. True. That was pretty fresh. Don't forget Coffee Come and Kareem. On. I'm telling you guys, Coffee <laughs> and Kareem is... Or I could forget Coffee and Kareem, <laughs> and that'd be okay, too. Yeah, that's true. I've already forgotten it myself. Right, who's doing their fresh shit here? That's a good question. I'm watching The Watchmen finally. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I am. I, 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 I enjoy you? it, and I cannot wait for Damon Lindelof to disappoint me. He has that okay. great thing about putting together really great beginnings that I know he will sabotage by the end. Uh, Gene Smart is in it, and 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 really underrated, awesome actress. Yes, Gene Smart. I, I, I love her in everything I, I ever see her in. Would you say up that to she and including was, designing women? I was, like, was she your favorite designing woman? I guess so. Okay. I mean, they were all kind of different versions of awesome, you know? I, I love the way this goes. It's like, what if this brings up a fresh shit thing, right? And then Chris is like, hey, yeah, but what about that, like, you know, that Bill Bixby movie that is tangentially related? Let's talk about that. <laughs> I didn't or, say let's you know, talk yeah. about it. I just found up suddenly, and ran with He was it. onto something cool with Watchmen, and now we're talking about fucking designing we women. We can get back to Watchmen, but I just made an Jesus. offhand response. <laughs> this is how conversations happen organically, Brian. Welcome to the show show brian this is how we roll <laughs> basically what he's saying is he doesn't care about designing women moving along so. yeah i just like gene smart who's in the watchman which is in its first season on uh uh hbo yeah probably hbo it's, probably its only season right if brian's yeah description they was true. they have they have continued to be consistent in saying actually no we're just gonna call this good okay oh that'd be nice i mean again that's Damon Lindelof's biggest problem is trying to add length to something that, you know, shouldn't yeah. have it. I, like, I can tell you this has an actual ending. The like, characters it, on it are great. Uh, I, I, I love everyone who's in it. They, they, they are continuations, sort of older versions from the comic book, which is fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and and in, they do. Yeah. They it's not the movie where they blow up all the cities. It's the comic book where they drop in uh, interdimensional squid on New York. So the, the show does actually follow that. Yeah. Yes, okay. very much so. Okay. Well, now I'm going to have to watch it because that was my biggest yeah. pet it's... peeve with the film is that they just pussied out and didn't do the interdimensional no, they, squid. They absolutely do not pussy out on the interdimensional squid thing. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, Good. But it, which is also fun when you're watching it with your wife who's seen the movie and it's like, what the fuck is what with the raining squids? Oh, it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so her only point of context is the, the movie. Not yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole, I don't blame game. her. That's going to be true for yeah. a lot of people though. I, yeah. Okay. I, I, I think it would have been nice if they had set a primer and said, you know, there's, there's a couple things that are different. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But so the thing that the thing that got me about it was how sort of like uh, do it yourself the whole thing really is right like like the 
you know, people who wear masks or whatever in, in the HBO Watchmen show, it's not like they're wearing costumes, right? It's not like they're wearing superhero garb. It's like, yeah, I, I, I kind of put a mask on, you know, like a Did bandana. You- Oh yeah, but they 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 make full costumes, but they're shit costumes. Like Red right, Scare is just wearing like a red tracksuit and a red ski yeah. mask. Yeah, it's it's just like so. It's like costumes, very very like I can just do it for at Walmart kind of so stuff. It's literally like costumes would happen in real life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 like the boys. You know the, how all the superheroes have like shiny costumes, and there the caveat is yeah because there's a corporation paying for them. Yeah. This is sort of the same thing. No one's paying for these, and it's illegal. So okay. you make you right. make shit out of what's in the garage. Okay. But yeah, I, I like it so far, especially since I have no idea where it's going, but uh, <laughs> that, it, that there's only one season does give me hope. Yeah. Um, so how far into it have you gotten? Like uh, Four episodes. Okay. Trying not okay. to rush it, doing one a, a night. Yeah, you're 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 about to get into the meat of it. So okay. I'm interested to see how this progresses. Uh also, let's see. I'm rereading Gore Vidal's Burr, which is uh one of the books from his American century sort of I'm not sure how many books are in it. But uh it's great. It's a great it's a great historical novel about a, a really fucked up historical figure and um and, and you should read it cuz it's good. Does- he does he gets he gets such a bad rap, especially in this age of Hamilton. I was to say, does Hamilton show up? Do they do a little rap? Oh yeah, they do the whole <laughs> they do the whole duel. Okay, and you know they explain that you know Burr Burr didn't want to have a duel. Hamilton was just an asshole. Yeah, and sort of forced <laughs> it on him. I haven't, but um, yeah, I haven't read any of the Vidal historical stuff. It's it's always been on the list, but I just never got to it. Yeah, his historical novels are like, I think he wrote them because he felt a responsibility to write them. But then there was this, this sort of break, this is this, this, this pile of books in between that are like 1876, yeah. uh, Burr, the Golden Age, all these, you know, this, that have made up characters in a historical setting that are a lot of fun. They're not as anarchic as his comedy novels yeah which are and those are the ones i mostly know like duluth is yeah. one of my favorite books of all time duluth is genius um, yeah but you know myra breckenridge uh even live from golgotha i mean it's that's yeah, all the that's stuff i one. know so i i feel like if i read his historical stuff i'd be like is this the same dude is it mm-hmm. oh yeah have you read myron i still the haven't read to myra i still haven't read myron no yeah, that one's that's one's crazy balls too. I like those books because he just goes full tilt. He's like, I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and him doing whatever he wants is just awesome. It's good times. But yeah, Burr, great, great book. Wish they'd make it into a movie. Um, wish they had made it into a movie while he was alive because I still think it should end with the last chapter from the Golden Age where he's in it and he's talking to a movie guy. And he suddenly realizes the movie guy is uh, Aaron Burr. And so right there before his eyes, Aaron Burr is standing. Do you think it would be interesting if like Lin-Manuel Miranda did a movie version of Burr? Just as a... I do. Like a, a bookend. 
I think it would be awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. I think he'll probably do it when he's older and he's like fucking t- sick and tired of the whole Hamilton thing yeah. hanging on to him. And so somebody will make Burr and they'll say, we want you to be Hamilton. You're going to play him when he's old and fat and um, angry. <laughs> and he'll be like, yeah, okay. Do I die? Oh, yeah, you die. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. All right. Get on it, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. In 15 or 20 years. Yeah. And finally, uh, I've been on watching YouTube a lot, of course, because, you know, I'm here. Uh, I, 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 you should check out um, a series called uh, Half in the Bag, which is Red Letter Media's movie review show. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. I think I've mentioned it before, but they have a video on there where they review, in quotes, Jack and Jill, the Adam Sandler oh, movie. Lord. Yeah, and they they basically say it's it's obnoxious, it's stupid, it's not you know even mildly funny, but they have an interesting idea. This movie was budgeted at like sixty million dollars or something, and you can't see it anywhere on the screen. And it's mostly <laughs> a series of ads for products, right? It's yeah. uh, uh, like there's a whole sequence that's nothing but. You know, welcome to Princess Cruise Line. And all they do is talk about how great Princess Cruises are. Well, that's, no jokes. I mean, that's how he gets his shit financed. Exactly. Yeah. But the movie costs $60 million and doesn't spend it, which makes, uh, you know, their theory is it's it's all a, a, a money sort of, not embezzlement, but I guess it's embezzlement. Like a pyramid I'm not scheme. sure, but it's, it's an Adam Pen- yeah. pyramid scheme. Yeah, there's there's no movie. There never was a movie. There's just an excuse to, you know, uh, uh, Al Pacino is in this movie as Al Pacino, and he does a, an Al Pacino <laughs> coffee wrap because the whole thing is him trying to get Al Pacino to be in a Dunkin' Donuts ad. Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino. It's a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica Kuwa Locky Light. And you go, ooh. I cannot even uh, begin to explain how much I hate Adam Sandler. So yeah, yeah. You're, t- you're like pushing my buttons right now. But it suddenly makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. He makes all these ass films that he doesn't care about the quality because he doesn't have to because he's going to make millions of dollars yeah. just by signing the contract yeah. i'm like exactly eh, eh, it's it's amazing i anyway go look for uh uh half in the bag jack and jill on youtube and just just listen to their argument and i think i think you'll find it quite alarming <laughs> and <laughs> I, and, I, and revelatory <laughs> Okay. <laughs> As a sidebar, I would encourage anybody who sees the advertisements for Dunkin' Donuts coffee to think about the emphasis in the phrase. Is it, what are you drinking? Or is it, what are you drinking? But anyway, because uh, it, <laughs> it's a fair what are you question. Drinking? Case. It's a fair <laughs> question. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what are you, okay. what? Eh, what? Drinking? Okay. What? Are you drinking? <laughs> These pretzels okay. are making me thirsty. <laughs> These pretzels. What are you drinking? <laughs> These There's another one. Are making me thirsty. Yeah. Put the emphasis on the what. Yeah. 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 Okay. All no. right. No time to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm so. <laughs> that is the correct. I'm so <laughs> mad that that got delayed because we could have been making so many goddamn jokes about that fucking movie right now. 
Maybe come November. Well, yeah. Instead of that, what fresh shit are we doing? Am I doing it or Chris going? Uh, I'm done. Yeah. Whoever's next. Uh, I can go. I got. Huh. Okay. So movies. Um, plural. Wife was like, uh, yeah. So I'm like trying to, you know, suggest movies and whatever. The wife is like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna Google like kick-ass uh, action female movies, and like what she gets back from her search results are La Femme Nikita, Lucy, and um, uh, some other a crap. Pile that we didn't of goddamn watch. shit. So we watched fucking Lucy. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Let me get no. this straight. There's, there's like three, an extra 3% of my brain where if I use it, I can change, I can move through fucking time. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, this is the dumbest movie possible. Yeah. Like it is so bad. Like, like, like it, it, Luke Besson, uh, it's amazing that he can make movies as slick as he makes them and they are still so vapid and stupid that by the time they're done you're like i that's just that's no calories right there that's just i'm yeah. done i mean i went in i went in expecting like i don't know we saw the other la femme nikita that he did the other i don't know like earlier this year or last year i can't remember the name of it now so it was super memorable but, you know, he makes one of these every now and then. And, and yeah. this one, so I'm just figuring, okay, fine. The conceit is that she unlocks more of her brain percentage, which, by the way, is horse shit. Just yeah. scientifically, that 10% of your brain thing, horse <laughs> shit. Uh, I mean, but, it makes as much sense as her being in Ghost in the Shell. Let's be but, real. But so, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, if I can just overlook this 10% of the brain thing and then just watch her, like, be, you know, kick-ass action chick, fine. I'll turn off my brain for 90 minutes. No, they beat you over the head with this thing in the dumbest possible way. It's like, now if she uses 20% of her brain, yeah, she has telekinesis. And now she uses another 10% of her brain. Yeah, she can time travel or it's just God fucking awful. And it's insulting. Makes Scarlett Johansson unwatchable. Like, well, you know, by the end, like she turns into a puddle of like telekinetic goo. Isn't that what it was? I can't remember My now. brain turned into a puddle of telekinetic goo. <laughs> she, like, I can tell you that. She like disembodied and then saved Morgan Freeman. Uh, and then the end. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, uh, it, it <laughs> sucks. It doesn't even have good action. It's I mean, you want you see her. Okay, now she's gonna take on all of the all of the whatever the Chinese bad guys. And now she just mm. levitates them all to the ceiling and yeah. doesn't touch them and walks I, through. And I, it's I tell you, like she's Darth Vader. I tell or you something. what would have made an improvement on that movie is if he'd have done the same movie, Luke Besson, but instead of casting Scarlett Johansson, he would have made it a cartoon starring Lucy Van Pelt from Peanuts. Wait a minute. <laughs> hey, you're on to something. Right? Yeah. And it's like her just I like... We're going to go with like Stephen Hawking. Like, I use most of my brain. No. And now he can just levitate Don't people. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. <laughs> but no, they was like Lucy Van Pelt. And she could like use her mind to jerk the football away. That'd be like the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jeez. yeah. How yeah, is no. this guy not as hated as... um? The Man of Steel guy. I the, don't know because if you look at his filmography, it's like it just guy. gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Zack Snyder, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it just he peaked so early, and then it's just been garbage yeah. ever since. And honestly, the I, more of this I see, the more I think that Valerian was actually better than I thought it was. Uh, but I know Valerian sucks. It sucks yeah, it's bad. Horrible. 
<laughs> I got to tell you, though, I did see uh, a couple years ago, I did watch The Family with uh, De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer. I've seen that. Yeah. That's actually an enjoyable little romp and it's fun, but it's totally outside his normal oeuvre. Uh, yeah. So I don't really know what to say about that one. But yeah, most of his movies are just does he, terrible. Does he actually write these? Yes. I mean, is he yes. the author of record? Because yes. I'm thinking, I'm thinking he just puts his name on things or th- hires somebody he, he has an idea he has somebody go flesh it out I th- and then i think that's more for like the what's the driver movies um with jason statham the the oh uh tr- the transporter yes i think that's probably more in the realm of what you're talking about where he just yeah. produces and Maybe he does some tweaks to the story, but His just let somebody else. This movie didn't have a script. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. But it's just okay. that something like The Professional is almost accidentally good then. Yes. You know? Well, and it's still f- got some really horrible parts to it. it does, you know, some but, really but the ov- horrible, unexplained things. But the overall effect is still very solid, and it's mostly because his whole conceit for that was basically just to make a movie that would make people so goddamn uncomfortable because it's about a little girl having an affair with a grown ass man. I mean, that's the basic conceit. And then there's violence. Oh and wow! Fun, you know what I mean? It's like ugh. that was the stated reason because I always thought that was just me. No. That's. I think he's been on record as saying that uh, that was a very overt thing, and they actually had to tone it down for the American <laughs> cut. So yeah, but whatever. So Lucy. Oh, I'm sorry, Brian. Lucy. I'm really yeah, sorry. Yeah, don't watch it. Uh, also, don't watch. Uh, and I, I watched it because I said I was gonna. <laughs> it's like it's always you down bastard. Oh, I saw it, but don't watch I... it. Don't watch it. No, really, God. Don't. I finished. I finished Picard. And Ooh. oh, yeah. I hate it! Oh, I good. fucking hate it. Good, we can <laughs> oh, discuss it's now. Terrible, right? <laughs> Fuck right. you, Picard. This is the, f- yeah, you were right. This is the anti-Star Trek, right? Yeah, like, it's just absolutely not Star Trek. Right. Um, they talk about him like he's somebody else in the Star Trek shows. Yeah. Like they, he was that they, that wild cowboy who was always going off on. You know, no, this is Picard. No, they don't get anything right they don't get the androids right they don't get the borg right they i mean if if, if you're going to do a next generation show you've got two things you've got one job which is give me synthetics like data and give me the borg and both of them are not anywhere near in character like the androids feel emotions and at one point one of them does a goddamn mind meld mm, yeah that you, one no that no one, yeah i i no. was like oh boy yeah, it's just wrong. This is just not your year, um, Brian. Brian. I mean, you you you, uh, you like really you is, saw Rise so, of Skywalker, and you had pretty much the same re- reaction. Yeah. You know, in in so in in other in in related news, CBS is trying to basically sell assets so that they don't go out of business, and one of their major assets listed is not Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they've 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 boned it so hard. Nobody wants. They don't to even buy know it. what Star Trek is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um. So I don't give a shit. Spoilers, spoilers, whatever. Don't watch it. By by the end of the show, when Data is getting wrinkly and old looking, and there's a goddamn blue sky beam opening a portal for the goddamn robot Chitari to come in and take over <laughs> New York or whatever. Um. I have to tell you, there's a bit here where the android race of old or whatever has given um, Picard's ship a magic ocarina that, if you just imagine things, can just do stuff. Yeah. And literally, 
Jean-Luc Picard fights a Romulan armada with the power of imagination. Like, that's what happens. Yeah. In the there's climax a of thing, this show. Okay, there's a thing awful. in season one of The Next Generation where they discuss the Picard maneuver. And this was something that was based on actual science that is actually pretty smart. That if you're moving faster than the speed of light, you can appear to be in two places at once. Right? That's the... Right. Well, and so they they extrapolate that to make him be in several places at once by s- God knows. See, it's like there isn't With actually the power an of imagination. Yeah. It isn't like they <laughs> yeah. they are traveling faster than light several times. They they just do thing. It's 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 the worst kind of Star Trek. This is going to happen no because we clever. need something to happen. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing there's nothing clever. There's nothing sciency about Mm-mm. it. There's oh, nothing they hate diplomatic science. about it. God, it is just anti Star Trek. And like at the end of every episode of this show, my wife was like, I still don't care about any of this at yeah. all. Like, I want to, but I can't. And then I'm just like, we're barreling through this. We're barreling through this because I'm going <laughs> to end my CBS subscription before the free month is over. And I'm not watching Future Man until I'm done with Picard. So we're just going to just grit and bear it and get through it. And we're done and. <laughs> Fuck Picard. Star Trek my spousal shit. abuse. Yeah, I think you're doing uh, that. Yeah. I think you're doing self isolation way wrong, Brian. <laughs> you're just not doing it right. We're Star Trek fans. We almost have to watch this stuff, but to have such shit foisted on us, yeah, it's yeah. it's the, angering. I think the 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 more How? the more talks that we have, and the more you guys talk about Star Trek, because again, I am not a fan, really. Uh, the more I do not regret not being a fan. Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah, we're getting boned by these things that we love. I mean, it, yeah. it, but it's not just it's not just Star Trek anymore. Star Wars has that problem. Marvel. The Terminator Marvel. got renewed yeah. by that. Marvel. This, yeah. This is very much like a new generation got their hands on Star Trek and heard what heard somebody describe. Hey, Star Trek is kind of like this. Yeah. And and then they made their own Star Trek and and it's. <laughs> Okay, fine, do that, but then don't get the actors back to reprise their beloved characters and ruin them. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Anyway, Chris, what's your what's your fresh <laughs> shit? Because ugh. Uh, well, sadly, I did not hate watch anything in the last week, so mine's Aww. kind of tame. Well, uh, we we never intentionally hate watched Picard. <laughs> oh, you don't? I I would. <laughs> it just turned into yeah. that by the you know. Uh, over time okay where are you uh, going with this yeah. where are you going with this yeah, yeah. well where the fuck are you going what are you drinking <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh it's like star trek asterix that's what it should be Ugh. uh Ugh. i didn't i mean i'm just watching a shit ton so i'll just pare it down to a couple of highlights uh i did start on amazon F- prime finally uh the show hunters you guys seen that yep oh yeah watched okay. the whole thing uh it's I'm like five episodes in, so it's like halfway through, uh, and I'm liking it. But at the same time, I'm sort of puzzled by it because it totally doesn't know what the fuck it wants to be. It's like, does it want to yeah. be Marathon Man or does it want to be Danger Five? I mean, it's like, hey, we're a, a Nazi hit squad, but we're having fun, but we're also really uncomfortably gross and graphic at times. I mean, it's like it doesn't know what it wants to do. Yeah. Uh, I was disappointed to find out that it was not. Uh, uh, marathon man, because I came into it with this belief that they were going to take it seriously. Yeah, and it's like it, a- and that yeah. they would, and that it would, it would really live in the '70s environment. But 
the seventies are just yeah. sort of a backdrop. Yeah, they do lots of anachronistic things. Yeah, it's very uh, Tarantino. A lot of the stuff they do because it's like yeah. uh, it's it it vacillates between stuff like Marathon Man and Boys from Brazil, <laughs> uh, and then it kind of rolls into just straight up yeah. parody of the seventies. It's like it's like Tarantino, but without the intelligence or charm. Yeah. So I mean, it's got moments, but at the same time, it's sort of. Eh. So I'm in it for the the duration because it's still reasonably fun. But I got to tell you, it's, it, it's really uncomfortable the, when they do the Holocaust flashbacks because it's just like, oh, fuck. Do you really, you have to be, you have, like, everybody understands that the Holocaust was horrible, right? We don't have to go this far, but they do. So, I don't know. I'm not sure most people do. Really? Ah. I think that's kind of the problem these days. Ah, well, A lot of people don't know and. Well, fuck, then everything is horrible and I give up. Let's just, well, let's just put, welcome to the party. Let's just let's just speak plainly. <laughs> the Holocaust was horrible, people. We don't want another yeah. one. Uh, Nazis suck. Ooh, hot take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's mm. really. Yeah. Uh, and then, well, that's, we got to start even earlier than that and say the Holocaust actually happened. Yeah. So, so it's a it's a a, a tonally <laughs> dissonant show. Uh, that goes from really goofy, ridiculous to just hardcore grindhouse. What the hell did I just watch? Uh, kind yeah. of stuff. So stay with it to the end. I need to discuss it with you in further detail. Okay. He okay. said that to me about Picard. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh I yeah. Like, I feel like it's Eric just trolling both of us this month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Watch it. Not so. for watch good it. reasons. All I the way to discuss the end. something with you I like. Yeah. I want to find out what else is <laughs> uh, wrong with it that I missed. All right. Well, we'll see. I may finish it this week. Uh but we'll give it a whirl. So I did I've been watching that and then just as a balm for my soul uh because of all this pandemic shit, uh as a way to stave off most of the creeping dread that I deal with when I wake up in the morning. Uh we've started watching uh from the f- the first show we're going to watch all the seasons of absolutely fabulous because i haven't watched it in so long Uh, (laughs) because i love 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 absolutely fabulous or abfab as the kids call you watch a movie too yeah that's the the goal we're going to watch all the show uh and then when they brought it back in the the early aughts and then we're going to watch the movie and then we'll see how that goes so it's it's good times but uh for those not initiated it's early 90s uh and it's uh, just a rich, clueless woman in her 40s uh, and her daughter. And the, the roles are sort of reversed. The daughter's the stern taskmaster who's sort of like the parent. And then the woman has a really uh, obnoxious drunk friend. And they just get into all kinds of crazy shenanigans. It's basically like if, if I Love Lucy uh, involved uh, drunkenness and debauchery. That's yeah. kind of the best way to put Has-beens it. with money. <laughs> yeah. But it's just hilarious. So it's it's a bomb for the soul. And uh, the best part is when other actors from like the young ones just pop in just as different characters. And uh, it's like second season, I guess, uh, <laughs> Vivian shows up. Adrian Edmondson yeah. is like this really posh restaurant critic. And uh, just starts espousing all this culinary gobbledygook. Uh this right. magazine and it's just like that is that is so not vivian but it is vivian <laughs> this is very weird. and and that's uh what's her name saunders jennifer uh, saunders yeah that's jennifer saunders husband yes so 
it's a good job. So it's uh, it's kind of flashback Brit stuff. Definitely not everybody's flavor, uh, but I enjoy it immensely, and uh, I'm liking the ride. And then uh, it's good. And then oh, I I finally finished uh, second season of Community as a uh, final, uh, the the double episode arc with the paintballs contest. Yeah. Uh, where the first half was like a spaghetti western <laughs> and the second half was like Star Wars and yeah. fucking brilliant. I could stop now and I wouldn't wouldn't have missed anything else because it's just fucking How, how many seasons of Community are there? It's like five or six. Uh, there are five. Yeah. Uh, the it- and What's interesting is they fired Dan Harmon before the fourth one and tried to do it without him yeah. and it was no the third one that that happened and they realized they couldn't do it because it was just horrible yeah then the fourth one they brought him back then they canceled it and the fifth one was on yahoo okay but it's i think all so, of them are on netflix now so is it, is it about students or faculty both it's both? basically it's just it's set at a really shitty community college uh and it's a a wide array of students from different age groups and social standings, etc., who are all there for various reasons, uh, and they all are they all just... there for five years of community college? <laughs> well, apparently, apparently they don't really stick with it. It's not a realistic show. Yeah, let's no. put it that way. Let's put it this. Uh, so okay. this this two arc episode, two episode arc, whatever that I just watched. So it's basically the end of year, their second year, and the dean puts on a paintball contest, and it's sort of a throwback to the end of the first season where they had a where he dangled a prize where someone could have uh, early registration above everybody else. And so all the students went apeshit and destroyed the campus in this paintball free-for-all. And so he wanted to avoid that and then announces the paintball tournament. And then one of the sponsors comes in and, and <laughs> one-ups him and says that the winner, uh, last man standing, gets $100,000. And the whole campus just evolves. So that's the opening scene. And then when they do the credits like Spaghetti Western, then they come back and suddenly like it's this weird sort of post-apocalyptic feel almost. And it's this Western and everything is just destroyed. And yeah, there's like basically all just broken up into clicks and lone wolf and etc. And then midway through the episode, they're like, how long have we been doing this? Oh, about five hours. <laughs> so it's like literally <laughs> everything just devolves and crumbles in the span of a, a few hours because they all want this hundred grand. Uh, and then they, the second one becomes star Wars where the empire comes in uh, and they start making self-referential jokes to that. So it's, it's genius. And you can see the yeah, scenes. one guy actually says, I'm, I'm glad we're more Star Wars now. I wasn't feeling the Western motif. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it's definitely worth it. But if you haven't seen Community, I would recommend. I didn't watch it the first round because I was doing other stuff, uh, but I'm catching up now. But Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. There are some episodes on that show that I will watch over and over and over again just because they're so goddamn good. Lupin. Okay, you... Uh, uh, intro to lupine urology tough to say that is the best episode of any show i've ever seen what season is that in mm, i think it's three i think it's the okay. last one before he fired him okay but yeah lupine urology right. i'll keep an eye because out they because they do law and order produced by dick wolf okay nice lupine urology <laughs> Dick Wolf. <laughs> I got it. Okay. <laughs> I got it. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so far, what my one of my favorite bits in the whole thing was uh, is the one where Ken Jung, who plays uh, 
Professor Chang uh, is basically <laughs> all greased up and he's just roaming the air ducts, uh, finding everybody's lost crap because there's a little monkey that's on the loose just stealing stuff and stockpiling it. And the end of the yeah. episode is like him in the air duct and the monkey just keeps hitting him on the head over and over. And over. It's like that's it. It's like a one minute scene of just a monkey hitting him on the head. It's like it shouldn't be funny, but it is. So yeah, it, oh, it I love that sense. show. So, yeah. It's it's the live action Rick and Morty in a way. It is. It really is. So yeah, community. So yeah, TV, no movies. What do you think about that? That's my fresh shit. So uh, it's a show. Yeah. Well, so the fun parts out of the way. What's our week concept for the week? Uh, the week concept. <laughs> uh, I I tried to be topical because Tom Hanks has been in the news because he survived coronavirus. Uh, he was down in Australia, uh, playing Colonel Tom Parker in an Elvis movie and contracted the disease and because he only plays real life people now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it got me to thinking, uh, Hey, let's, let's watch some eighties Tom Hanks movies. Cause I was looking at a list, uh, which I will, I will spew off to you so you can kind of get a, 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 an idea. But the basic thesis of this episode is how did the eighties not kill his career entirely? Um, because (laughs) apart from like two well-received, uh, quote unquote classics that people like, which I have problems with each of them, uh, myself, he's got a lot of Drek and some inspired stuff, uh, that, uh, just rattle it off. What's the eighties filmography uh, for Tom Hanks? So film wise, he, he started in 1980 with a slasher film that he had a bit part in. He knows you're alone. We won't count that one. Um, but then we all know him from Bosom Buddies that aired from yep. 1980 to 82, him and Peter Scolari. He was also in a Dungeons and Dragons yeah. movie about like four kids who play Dungeons and Dragons and he's crazy and yeah. he thinks he's in the game. And That was, that was 1982. That's based on the book yep. by Rona Joffe, which- uh, Right. That the, the was actually a really interesting one. Have you tried- the, the, oh, yeah? the movie is on Amazon Prime- and you can watch it. Chris Makepeace is also in it. If you remember, he's the kid from Meatballs and mm-hmm. My Bodyguard. He cannot fucking yeah. act his way out of a paper bag. It is just <laughs> excruciating. Uh, so I watched it till about uh, 20 minutes in when Tom Hanks shows up. And then I'm like, I'm out. I can't do it. Uh, so from that, he jumps into uh, some bit roles on TV shows like Happy Days and Love Boat and this and that. And then he had like a three episode arc on Family Ties as Drunk Uncle Ned. He was like a raging alcoholic who basically chugs vanilla extract. And then Alex P. Keaton goes, Oh, he's got a problem. And then we never see Uncle Ned again. Uh, yeah. And then 84 was sort of his breakout year for film. Uh, so that was the year that he did Splash uh, with Daryl Hannah and Bachelor Party. Um, and that kind of one of my favorites of his. Yeah. Uh, and then that sort of strung him off into being sort of the, the goofy romantic lead. Uh, so then came the man with wearing red shoe in 1985 volunteers where he met his wife, Rita Wilson, uh, some weird romantic drama. Every time we say goodbye, uh, which I think box office mojo lists that it, it made $278,000. <laughs> So that's like his worst performer. Uh, then 86, nothing in common with Jackie Gleason, uh, the money pit. Then in 87, we got dragnet 
88 Punchline, and then Big, which everybody knows him from. Uh, then The Burbs and Turner and Hooch. And then for Eric, since he says that uh, decades end on the zeros, uh, 1990 was Joe Because Versus they the- do. I don't say it. <laughs> Math says it. It does not. So I'm going to throw you a bone. But it was Joe vs. the Volcano and Bonfire of the Vanities. So that's his. Okay, so, so you're getting two classics out of this by including 1990 because you got Big and I guess Joe versus the Volcano. Well, no, and Splash. Uh, uh, Joe okay. is not a classic. No. Joe is a reviled film that it's, only cool people like us like. Yeah, it's it's a it's awesome. one of his middling, but his two biggest uh, movies where he made his biggest splash, if you will. <laughs> uh, big is his his top. That was number four for the year. Came in at 114 million. And Splash in 84 was like number 11 with 70 million. Yeah. Uh, I, I have huge problems with both of these movies. Mm-hmm. I think they're just, they're, uh, he's affable and he's, he's easygoing, but he's also kind of a dick in both of these. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. not so much big, but my problem with Splash is that uh, it's just Little Mermaid, basically. And Daryl Hannah just basically gives everything up for this rando dude. And then he's a total <laughs> bastard to her through most of it. Uh, and then Big is just him in as a 13-year-old boy in the body of an adult. And uh, Elizabeth... It's like the, Freaky Friday without a kid who has <laughs> yeah. to play old. But basically Big is right? just about a woman who, by the end of the movie, realizes that she's uh, had sex with a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, uh, the, her, her standards <laughs> for men are... Um, different, maybe, than some of yours. Yeah. So... Yeah. I. I had a conversation with someone about Splash where I was, you know, like talking about the things I didn't like about it. And one of the things I had mentioned was his racism because (laughs) he has this whole thing about, you know, and she's, she's, she's a fish. And and whoever I was talking to, I just remember them being like, how is that racist? I'm like, okay, replace fish with Jew. (laughs) It's basically the same thing. It's just that, you know, mermaids don't write letters. Yeah. And it's just, uh, but basically, the I Splash bothers me because the whole thing is just designed to be a male wish fulfillment fantasy. Uh, like every movie in the 80s. Basically. <laughs> but, uh, but it's just weird that that was the one that sort of clicked with people. Uh, and then later in the year, he did Bachelor Party, which is like just a big, giant, gross-out comedy. Uh, and funny. I guess there's a... I guess there's a uh, a scandal going on because the version of Splash that's on Disney Plus, there's, plus there's a CG bikini bottom on Daryl no, no. to cover I, butt. I actually watched it because I hadn't seen the thing in like 25 years. Uh, okay. So I watched it. Basically, when she comes out of the water on Liberty Island, uh, she's naked because she's a mermaid, but she's got legs now. And they basically just sort of like CGI'd extra hair. Over her buttocks. Oh, is it just extra hair? Yeah. Okay. So you never see her boobies or her butt. Uh, it's just long, flowy, blonde hair. Is it better or worse CGI than when they put uh, walkie-talkies in ET? Uh, I find that to be the most yeah, it's <laughs> insulting use of CGI of all time. Uh, it's simultaneously more and less jarring because basically it just looks like somebody <laughs> glued a like a couple of wigs on Daryl Hannah's ass. Uh, and then <laughs> it's, it's more jarring because the one yeah. shot of the movie that you remember yeah. or were looking forward to is different now. Yeah. yeah. And what's even funnier is that, you know, John Candy's character is basically just a fucking lech who's tossing penthouse magazine to everybody because he got something printed and he's like throwing quarters on the ground to look up women's oh, skirts. Right. I mean, it's like, what? Yeah. That, that you have problems with the naked butt? Okay. Cool, Disney. Cool. 
so yeah. Because uh, cause women are dirty. I think that's the lesson Disney wants us to have. Yeah. But, uh, but the, based on those two, those are his big giant hits from the 80s. Uh, but other than that, I started looking at his output, and it's not great. It's not great at all, I got to tell you. It's, uh, there's a couple in there that I enjoy uh, immensely, but they're still not giant hits. And I think he's got a lot that people just don't remember. Uh, I think, though, don't you kind of have to separate it between the films he made because he was trying to have a career and the ones he made because he had choices? No, because he didn't isn't really that, have choice. He didn't really have choices until towards the end of the 80s, as far as yeah. I can tell. Uh, and he was kind of pigeonholed as that sort of goofy romantic lead. That was his shtick. Because, you know, until right. you get to the 90s, like 92-ish or whatever, when he gets into uh, like Philadelphia... Uh, that's when people were like, "Oh shit, this guy can actually act." And then, right, because he was he was always kind of a clown. Yeah, right. And then it and then it sort of takes off. So the the basic flavor of the '80s is just you know clown. Uh, and I'm yeah. sh- so, shocked. <laughs> so we we decided to to each kind of recommend one movie from this period to focus on. Yeah, I just kind of wanted... You've, you've mentioned one of them. Yeah, I just wanted you guys to each pick, and I'll throw mine in as well, The either one that you feel is his most underrated or just the one you enjoy the most uh, that's not... Oh, was that what the criteria I was supposed to use? There wasn't any real criteria. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just basically we, we one... We make this shit I, up I every week, was, Brian. I thought we don't it was, know what don't, we're talking don't about. Don't pick one of the big, <laughs> big favorite ones. Like, pick something else. And so we well, did. yeah. But also, does it really matter? Because literally, like an hour before we started rolling, <laughs> Brian asked me, "So, which ones did you guys pick again?" <laughs> so, I don't think it matters. Uh, it doesn't. But uh, but yeah, it was basically just apart from Big and Splash, which everybody knows, uh, and who, yeah. who cares? Uh, I just wanted to have you guys pick one that you you wanted to maybe touch on for whatever reason. So yeah, yeah, and I think Big. They don't make enough big enough of a deal about what a great film that is because for once a junior high kid realizes his fantasy of getting laid. That's like everybody talks about yeah. that like that's a bad thing. No, that's a very very good thing. Yeah. Sex is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, nobody cares. I like Big. I know that it's problematic and it's it's an 80s movie, but I I enjoyed it. It was a good it was a yeah. good fun movie. Well, the the um, the fun thing about Big is that uh, that means that between that and League of Their Own, he's worked with both Gary and Penny Marshall. Uh, and who me who can really say that? How many actors can say? That? Weren't they both Penny Marshall? <laughs> no. Oh wait, you I'm sure? thinking. No, I'm thinking of uh, Nothing in Common. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm, Chris, my, my mistake. Sorry, <laughs> you got me. Did I out trivia you? Holy fuck! No, I'm just you're old. the man. You I'm know just, all this stuff. I'm just so. old, and my brain is rattled. Con- continue. So y'all have been saying positive things about Bachelor Party. Now I have to admit, I have not seen Bachelor Party from end to end. I have seen pieces of yeah, Bachelor okay. Party, and I, for the life of me, do not understand. It's what's good about here's it's what part, i love about yeah, this is part of that because uh, this is no go ahead 
I was just, it's just part of that weird uh, year of 84 where it's like every other movie became one of the what's considered a classic comedy. It's just weird. Yeah. And that's weird. But, but here's what I love about this movie, okay? Because the other... One of the things I remember a lot of in the 80s were sex comedies, right? That was sort of a staple. A comedy where people are acting immature, you see a couple pair of titties, and this one almost makes fun of that. It it, it takes every bit from those genres and ends up fucking it up. There there is a part (laughs) where a guy like sees like uh, one of the friends it's okay it's five friends who are throwing a bachelor party really easy concept you know one of them sees a woman falls in love with her on site has sex with her and then finds out it's a dude and this you know (laughs) yeah yeah, okay in this day and age that's not you know necessarily funny in and of itself the way they they do it is hilarious uh there's there's a guy there's a sight gag in there where a guy like falls on the couch between two women. One of them's holding a bowl of potato chips. He jams his face into the potato chips, slugs a beer, laughs in the face of one woman, spits the beer into the face of the other one, and falls over. It's like, in in one shot, he is a drunken buffoon that you don't like. <laughs> yeah. And it's like in every other movie that that guy would be the hero. But it's not. It's, it's not Tom Hanks. But basically, it's it's Tom yeah. Hanks in sort of the the Bill Murray mold that was popular at the time. He's sort of the like devil may care, smartass, whatever. Uh, who's not? And is is his fiance Tawny Katane? Yes. I can never say yeah. her name. Tawny Katane? Is yeah. that okay? Here so, I go again. Yeah, they're on in lo- my own. Yeah. Yeah, they're in love. She comes from a well-to-do family who does not like this guy who doesn't know how to properly play tennis. Yeah. Uh, and he drives a school bus. Uh, and, and there is a guy who does like her that the family likes, mm. who basically wants to sabotage his whole wedding thing. And he does so by trying to sabotage the bachelor party, by trying to get him caught cheating or something. Yeah. Which is, uh, oddly enough, uh, which is, here's the, one of the connections, is that he's the same guy that plays Ched, Chet in uh, Real Genius. Oh yeah, and the other connection is that uh, uh, Pat Proft, who also co-wrote Bachelor Party, also co-wrote Real Genius. So there you go. Oh, it's yeah, very standard plot, but the things that happen are actually legitimately yeah. funny. I love this movie so uh, much. I just—it's definitely yeah. over the top, and you and you know by the end that they really don't take it seriously when they go to find Tony yeah. Katane, who's been kidnapped, and they are in a multiplex movie theater with like forty. 40 theaters which which appears to be a high school painted to look like a movie theater <laughs> yeah. but it's like theater yeah. like one theater is basically just a broom closet one guy watching a tv and that's when like, oh these theaters are yeah. really small yeah. as a statement on yeah <laughs> and then there's a they get in a fist fight in a 3d movie yeah. and their their punching is mirroring what's going on on the yeah. screen and a woman says this this 3d is you know you know he says this 3d is great and she says i don't know i've seen better and then one yeah. of them like punches her in the face yeah. and she's like wow but uh, it's funny yeah. and it's got adrian's med <laughs> also michael dudikoff which always weirds me out because it's pre-american ninja <laughs> so he's just like the the, the dumb surfer yeah. dude so this does have negative yeah. things you do have to put up with Adrian's man. Yeah. 
but also it's just uh, as a performance. I mean, it's I mean, Tom Hanks kind of just doesn't put out a lot of effort. He's just his charming Tom Hanks self in this, more or less. Uh, he's goofy, yeah. But it does have one of my favorite jokes he, of his of all time uh, is when he's early on making dinner and he's like calling out all the weird shit, and then at one point he pulls out a bottle of wine to put on something. He's like. I want some wine. <laughs> Puts it on the table. Wine. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. Uh, so yeah, but <laughs> there's there's a part where his his fiance shows up at the party disguised as a hooker to try to see if he will cheat on her. And of course, everyone at the party knows that you know this is his fiance, and so they play along with the gag. And he walks into the bedroom where she is and says, okay, let's get to it. And starts sort of like goofily <laughs> in like in a, a way only Tom Hanks could have pulled yeah. off. It's it's yeah. You know, like a 13 year old yeah. boy in a man's body. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it, it kind of epitomizes <laughs> a good chunk of what his thing was in the eighties. And again, I'm surprised he managed a career after the eighties. Uh, Cause it's shit. Yeah, like I'm surprised he didn't have more of a career doing physical comedy. Yeah. Cause uh, Between that and the laugh in Money yeah. Pit, I mean, well, let's, proven he's he's a good. Well, at being let's a talk goof. about Money Pit because that's my selection. Uh, it's definitely in the lower mid half of his output uh, as far as box office. So that came out in '86. Another one about infidelity. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, kind of. <laughs> it's like this weird, uh, loose, loose, and I I really want to stress loose uh, remake of Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House, which is a Cary Grant, Myrna Loy movie. Uh, but basically, it's Tom Hanks is a lawyer who doesn't have a lot of money, uh, and his sort of fiancé, played by Shelley Long, who's, who's a cellist or something uh, in the orchestra, and they basically get kicked out of where they're living because it's owned by her ex-husband. So they basically have to find a place to live, and they buy this dirt-cheap giant house in Connecticut uh, and then hilarity ensues because it's a fixer-upper and everything starts falling apart as soon as they move in uh, and it sort of mirrors the crumbling of their relationship uh, as it goes through so it's it's a very basic plot and it's a very basic movie but it has a very special place in my heart for God knows why because it makes me laugh every. it's Frank Oz right? Uh, no it's uh, Richard Benjamin directed it okay because the sight gags in it are so that's what makes yeah. the movie for me well you get like that whole sort of later half where they do the rube goldberg deal where all of the crews around and then it just looks like he falls into a thing and a saw shoots up and cuts a beam and then starts this whole chain reaction <laughs> of things uh that's fun it's fun <laughs> I like that. Uh, if you read Roger Ebert's review, he basically mentions that and goes, yeah, it's fun, but it's really uh, that and then 91 minutes of other stuff that really needs fixing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you got to be forgiving. Yeah. I think it, it for me, it's sort of uh, always has been fun because I saw it in the theater. I liked it because it's just, it's sort of like a human cartoon, basically. Uh because it's got just nothing but real physical gags. And I think that it epitomizes Tom Hanks able to do physical comedy. Uh, it's sort of in his wheelhouse. And so there's like the whole... And also you get to see the bad guy from Die Yes, Hard. before <laughs> Alexander Gudnov. 
and so it's yeah there's like all kinds of, of stuff in there but my favorite well two of my favorite bits in there and they're total physical was like telling people is kind of strange but just go watch the movie but there's one where he goes outside to take a piss and then basically gets molested by a bunch of flying insects and so it's like this long shot through the window of him just out in the the woods, like just waving his hands frantically in this very haphazard fashion and trying to run away from these bugs. <laughs> it is so funny because it's just so Tom Hanksy. Uh, it's sort of like <laughs> like trying to explain uh, Harrison Ford running as Indiana Jones down a hill. It's sort of that vibe because it's just a very specific <laughs> visual. Uh, there's so. I'm wondering, you know, did did Tom Hanks have a cocaine habit in the 80s that he then dropped when he got serious? Is that why he's less Didn't manic? He all? No, I think he just decided to get serious I mean, as an actor. Uh, but these were the types of movies that he could probably get, you know? Yeah. Because it's this, and then my favorite part in this movie is when he falls through the hole in the upstairs floor, but it's on a rug. So he basically gets trapped in a hole in this rug and can't move his arms or anything. <laughs> and he's stuck there by himself. <laughs> I can't move, I my, can't move my legs. <laughs> and he's like later, like he's folding like a hundred dollar bills into airplanes and just flicking them with his fingers. Cause he can't do anything else. <laughs> There's that. And then when they are filling the bathtub with water at the beginning and it falls through the hole, and then they get the shot from the ground up through the hole. And he basically just starts laughing like a goddamn maniac because he's lost his mind at that point. I mean, it's just stuff like that. They're not actor things. I mean, it's like anybody could probably have done that. But something about Hanks just makes it affable and fun. Yeah. I don't really know. Which is, I think, why he survived these small movies because what he brings to them is so amazingly yeah. funny. Uh, but I will warn you that also probably why we don't we don't know peter scolari's body of work as well yeah well i will warn you that the theme song to money pit is just uh full-on 80s cliche dreck uh by stephen bishop uh we'll throw a clip in then so there But but he you know Stephen Bishop he did like he's the guy playing the guitar in Animal House when Belushi destroys the <laughs> the guitar in the stairwell that's Stephen Bishop uh, who went on to do it might be you from Tootsie and then he did a couple of songs for White Knights he did Separate Lives and uh, Say You Say Me yeah. so you can kind of get a, a gist of where that is so Ugh. see see if you if you want to talk about eighties direct music. I think you probably need to talk about Glenn Hughes, Pat Thrall, and Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks's song "City of Crime" <laughs> Dragnet. from the 1987 yeah. Dragnet film. You know, uh, I watched it this week. I watched the video. I'd totally forgotten about yeah. it. But it, it made me laugh because off to the side of my desk, I still have... Remember in the 80s when you could put your cassettes in the, the Mountie uh, rack thing, like the wood rack uh, that had like 50 cassettes or whatever? I, I'm looking right at my copy of the Dragnet soundtrack. Since <laughs> we talk. I listened to that thing I was on a big old Art of Noise kick at that point in time. And so, you know, I guess that the Dragnet soundtrack has a has appeal to me there yeah 
But yeah, Dragnet, 1987. Somebody was like, hey, Ghostbusters was a big hit in 1984. And hey, Beverly Hills Cop was a big hit in 1984. And let's do a boomer nostalgia thing because Dan Aykroyd wants to do a Jack Webb impression. And we're going to put, wouldn't it be funny if uh, Joe Friday from Dragnet was in the plot of Beverly Hills Cop and had to go to a strip club? Basically. Okay. I I feel I must defend this film. I think it's actually pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Because I think if that City of Crime awful song hadn't had such heavy rotation in MTV, fewer people would have thought it was lame and would have gone to see well, it. Well, I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to bust your theory because uh, Dragnet for the year 1987 came in at number 11 for the year and made oh. like $57 million in 87 bucks. So that ain't nothing to laugh at. Uh, right. Which, ast- okay, good. which right. astonishes me. Because uh, nobody seems to ever really remember that this thing exists until it shows up on cable. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, it, Dan Aykroyd is brilliant as the uh, descendant of Joe Friday. Uh, I, I, I there's there is a video on YouTube where you can watch just his speeches from uh, the movie right. Dragnet and <laughs> how how how. How, how you watch this and you realize, of course, he has Asperger's. Now it makes total sense. I see it. It's all on the screen. Listen, hotshot, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't care for you or for the putrid sludge you're troweling out. But until they change the laws to put you sleaze kings out of business, my job's to help you get back your stench-ridden boxes of smut. And since I'm going to be doing it holding my nose, I'll be doing it with one hand. Now let me tell you something, Strebeck. There are two things which clearly differentiate the human species from animals. One, we use cutlery. Two, we're capable of controlling our sexual urges. Now, you might be an exception, but don't drag me down into your private hell. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd is playing his childhood hero. And we got Harry Morgan to come back as his character from the Dragnet TV yeah. show, and, and uh, then, which is kind of fun. And, then, and it's got a weird like cast of it, like Dabney Coleman as, as a, like a porn, like a, a <laughs> Hugh Hefner his, porn guy. This magazine has the best porn <laughs> magazine name. This magazine is called Bait, yeah. which is perfect. <laughs> well, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Field and Cream, I think, was the other one. <laughs> Uh, but he's got like a weird speech impediment. So it's basically like Hugh Hefner with a speech impediment. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks ends up being the least interesting part yeah, of this movie. Pep Strebeck. Because he's sort of the, the modern foil who has to keep going, boy, Friday, you're living in the past, yeah. aren't you? But you know, he's just a I, douche. I feel, like, as I feel like through the course of the thing, cause it's such a ridiculous, I don't even really know how to recount the plot, but basically it's, there's a, a, like a religious cult that wants to, I don't know, take over the city. It's really on the nose. They give themselves the acronym pagan yeah. people against goodness and normalcy <laughs> yeah. so that they can wear goat masks and sacrifice yeah. virgins. And then Joe Friday. Yeah. Uh, and in it, they have, in it, they have to sacrifice the virgin the Connie, virgin Swale. Connie Swale, who yes. by the end of the movie is the just, Connie is just Connie Swale. Connie Swale. Don't you mean yeah. the virgin Connie Swale? Up ticked eyebrow. Bum, 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 yeah. bum. Uh, but yeah, Hanks plays Pep Strebeck, uh, who I think his only real purpose in this whole movie is for the end when he can scream as, uh, Ackroyd comes to the rescue. Thank God it's Friday. It's like, that seems like where they built the whole script around that nugget (laughs) to me. It's just so stupid. I mean, they built the whole script around Dan Aykroyd wanting to just rattle off like, you know, criminal code and, and, you know, Anachronistic. And on a school night, yeah. too. Acroidistic, anachronistic. <laughs> but, stuff. It, yeah. but it just, it bothers me just because it's sort of, uh, every time I watch it, it's like he's just basically doing Elwood blues 
uh, or a variant thereof. Sure. So it's sort of like I, or, I've seen this territory. Or, you know. Yeah. What's his? What's his? It's not Venkman. What's his character's name in Ghostbusters? It's the same thing. Yeah. He's just less young and gee whiz yeah. and just very sort of blah, 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 blah. But he's got know, that but. same sort of self-righteous, angry rat-a-tat that, that Jack Webb actually yeah. had. That's the thing. Yeah. I think it's parody of Jack Webb. No, I'm not going to give you a lecture. I don't have the time. I'm just going to lay it out for you straight. Now, you listen to me. You chippy around with marijuana long enough and you're going to buy yourself a lot of grief. After a while, marijuana won't be enough. You'll start looking for a bigger kick and then a bigger one after that. And all of this is going to go down the tubes. Your job, your house, car, family, everything. We've seen it happen before. And not just to the neurotics and psychotics that wife of yours talks about, but to nice, clean-cut kids from good families with good educations. They start out just like you, and they end up mainliners, shooting it in their arms. And they end up dead. So if you don't know, you know, the original, yeah, this is a waste of time. But if you do, yeah. I think it's a fair it, treatment. <laughs> well, it's described as both a parody and an homage. Yeah. Uh, to the original drag, and that kind of is. It's like, okay, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do it, but we know we can't just do it straight, so we're gonna wink at you. Yeah, yeah, I well, get it. It's it was the directorial debut of Tom Mankiewicz, uh, who I mostly know for being a writer on a bunch of the '70s Bonds, because he did Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, Man with the Golden Gun. He was also a script doctor on Superman the movie, so he's you know he's been in the business a while, and they brought him on board to kind of help. Uh, smooth over some of the rough edges of the script and they just said well sure direct it uh, and I don't think he really did much else after that he did Delirious with John Candy so he wasn't much of a director uh, but as far as so, as Hank's performances go yeah this one's just sort of invisible almost to me you know what I mean yeah you don't it's not his movie it's Ackroyd's movie yeah, which is yeah. which is weird uh, but you know what are you gonna do so, Which again did, makes did, me wonder why he was in it. I mean, at this point, Tom Hanks was a name. You know, they probably got well, some of the financing but, but, out of him but being. But was in he it. though? Because after he did Splash, uh, every single one of his movies is just sort of meh. The the role was written for Jim Belushi, uh, Pep's oh. rebound. Yeah. Um. So I'm not sure why Hanks gets the role instead of Belushi. Maybe, in maybe Belushi case. had to go do something shitty. And couldn't make maybe because Jim Belushi sucks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, there is that. Which is weird. Yeah. Well, this is here. Here's your your connections. So Belushi was actually with him in the Man with One Red Shoe. Uh, so Belushi drops out of Dragnet, and then in the year 1989, uh, Hanks makes the movie Turner and Hooch, which is the cop and dog partner movie. Uh, but three months same year that. Jim makes K9. Yeah, and K9 with Jim Belushi, which is the same concept, came out three months earlier. <laughs> so so Jim Belushi is trying to be the poor man's Tom Basically. Uh, <laughs> but it's just weird to me that uh, they both made cop dog movies. I mean, it's just so stupid, right? Uh, yeah, so yeah. so the thesis was how does Tom Hanks ha- have a career after the 80s? But I think we picked movies that we kind of liked under the hood maybe even secretly love i don't know uh, to, to crap all over uh, oh, sorry what i would say is uh i'm gonna go stick my head in a bucket <laughs> of water excuse me what you need to do is watch punchline from 1988 with sally field because it was supposed to be this hip edgy sort of dramedy thing uh where tom hanks is playing about this burgeoning thing called stand-up yeah. comedy and it's really uh just not subtle at all at all, but the notable thing for punchlines is it used a bunch of actual stand-up comics to fill in the, the the periphery, much like that Adam Sandler 
uh, thing was the one he did, uh, Funny People. It's kind of like that. Uh, but one of the guys yeah. is Taylor Negron, and that's and I always forget that this is where it's from. But for years and years, we would walk around going, "You don't need a cop." You want an arag, and I say, "No, I don't want an arag." These people are like newly born bald eagles. You need an I'm like, "Oh, that's where that's from!" Holy shit. Uh, so yeah, damn it. But that was anyway. But that was sort of like uh, the inklings of Tom Hanks can act, and I think that was sort of where it rolled into the '90s, where he kind of went ballistic with, you know, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Castaway, blah blah blah. So yeah. And then he turned into but, the modern Jimmy. Yeah, Stewart. and then he became America's dad. But of course, yeah. Yeah, I think Philadelphia was probably the last comedy he made because when he does that thing with the IV oh. and he's like dancing to opera with an IV, that's yeah. funny. That is so that's funny. That's actually a deleted scene from the Money Pit. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, here's a little thing. So, can you, I'm gonna, I want you to guess uh, what you think his uh, top three uh, movies of the 80s were. Box office wise, of the eighties, yeah. um, well, big is number Correct. one. Um, gosh, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think is number um, two? Flash? Volunteers. No, no. <laughs> this is the one that blows my mind. <laughs> Turner and not bonfires. You know, Turner and goddamn okay. hooch is his second biggest movie of the eighties. Uh, it made almost oh, it yeah. made almost half of what Big made, but it still made like seventy one million dollars, which is just astonishing to me. It's a fucking wow. That's gonna put Dragnet in contention for number three. Then. Uh, it's close. Splash and Dragnet are pretty much uh, tied for third because it was you know. Mm. Well, no, no, I take that back. Dragnet and Bachelor Party are tied. No, wait, I take that back. Uh, but his, you don't know what you're saying. His top five were in order from one to five: Big Turner and Hooch, Splash, Dragnet, and Bachelor Party. So those are his his five biggest flicks of the decade. Uh, you know, Bonfire of the Vanities was almost a career-ending film for yeah. him. I mean, a lot of people thought this was going to be a big deal. It was, and it have you have you? It was in every way yeah. like. Have a you bomb. read the book? <laughs> have you read the book? No. Uh, the book is no. amazing. The movie was just miscast, and then they give it to a guy like De Palma. It's like Brian De Palma's going to do a comedy. Okie dokie. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I don't get it. And also, uh, another example of how people in Hollywood don't really understand what a black comedy is. True. True. Uh, because all of the, 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 the sort of understanding of the world around it was gone. Okay. Well then, based on the on these movies that we've discussed from the '80s with Tom Hanks, uh, what do you think is his uh, his appeal? We'll end on that. Based on these movies, yeah. What is the appeal of Hanks in the '80s? Like, how did he manage to to build a career? Physical comedy. Yeah, I think he's a a genius physical comic. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna say it's the voice. It's that he has the ability to yell in a way that isn't irritating. <laughs> Thus, the character of Woody from Toy Story. Ultimately, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, he's constantly shouting, and he's got a, a pleasant voice. 
And he's not a bad man you know, to look at either. Am I right, ladies? You know what's funny? You, when, you, when you say that about the yelling, because his yelling was also always funny. And then I realized he does that same yelling all over Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. But he's... <laughs> Wait for my command! Cover fire! Caparzo! Yeah. It's, uh... uh so, uh, I'm glad uh. he survived the 80s, uh, but he made much more interesting films after that. So, yes. you know, that's my thesis and I'm sticking to it. But... And you know what? If you want to see the kind of comic he was in these films, anytime he's he's hosting Saturday Night Live, you see that genius at yeah. work. It's yeah. why he's one of the best guests on Saturday Night yeah. Live. Uh, so okay, so we've we'll, we'll end end on this then. Uh, so we've talked about these movies. Sure? Yeah, we've talked about these movies. <laughs> okay, uh, we've given some of our uh, underrated picks. What is? Do you think uh, your f- like? If outside of those, do you have another favorite? Do you have one that just ranks above all else? Like you think t- from the eighties or just in general for Tom Hanks? Uh, sure. Ooh. I'll be honest. I don't think too much about Tom Hanks. Really? It's yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't. Yeah. Okay. I I mean, I I don't I can't think of a performance where I'm like, oh, that was that was an awesome kind of yeah. No. He was just in a lot of movies. I think his strongest roles, he's always surrounded by very solid supporting players that sort of upstage him somehow. But hes I don't think he has an ego, so he's okay with that. Like the Burbs, Rick Dukeman yeah. uh, totally runs away with that movie. Uh, and it's fine, because nobody cares. So, you know, what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah, I guess... I don't know. I mean, probably I'm going to have to say my favorite Tom Hanks movie is Joe versus the Volcano. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Um, I although, think I would agree. If you're looking for something more recent that, uh, that'll kind of creep up on you, Bridge of Spies was a good one. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, recommend uh, it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, uh, and he doesn't even have a big role in it, but he wrote it, directed it, produced it, uh, That Thing You Do. I love that movie so much. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So yeah, that's my pick. I'm down. Yeah, I think I'll I'll go with Brian on Joe versus the volcano, the most underrated genius film. Yes. Like probably ever. I can't think of anything that is as underrated as that that smart smart film. Correct. <laughs> and every time I watch it, I am not disappointed. That's a very interesting as a luggage problem. Oh, there it is. Hey, if you want to tell us what your favorite Tom Hanks movie is, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we are at MagHuge on Twitter. Uh, as always, please, uh, you know, share in a tweet, maybe the, a link to the podcast. or you I'm know, a flippity sub- <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. no or, response to that. Um, <laughs> or, or go to our website, <laughs> MagHuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Uh, there you can yeah, find other episodes cloud? of our show. Because uh, you have Brain Cloud. Yeah. Uh, you didn't get a second opinion on Brain Cloud. Including our episode about Ron Howard, who directed Tom Hanks and all of those stupid ass, like, Angels and Demons movies. Yeah. Um, and Splash. Uh, you can find that. And Splash. Yeah. You can So you can find that on our website, maghuge.com, or uh, email us your favorite Tom Hanks movie. Uh, you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com and I'm sure we're on Facebook and Instagram and other things and yeah check us out come back another week uh, we'll do another show 